Hi, I'm Jesse, and welcome to Red Cloaks Radio, where we are counting down. Today is July 29th. There are three days left of this legislative session, and we are asking, will they or won't they pass the ROW Act? We've got a very exciting guest today, Carol Dayano. Joining me today as a co-host are Martha from the Boston Red Cloaks and Karen from the Boston Red Cloaks. I'm very happy today to welcome Carol. It was Carol's idea to start an activist group called the Bad Old Days Posse. For some of us who remember the bad old days, we're right there. We understand what it means immediately. She brings with her a wealth of experience and historical knowledge of this path that the country's been on and that the state is currently on. Carol is also a retired social worker by profession and has taught at Salem State. Welcome, Carol. Thank you. Hi, Carol. I just wanted to uh, ask the first question, and that would be, can you give us a run of what is the battle days posse? So people who weren't there, like me, who come from out of state, out of the country, or weren't born yet, know what we're talking about. Well, there's two questions, really. The battle days posse is about two years old. About six months before we started, I was at a, um, an event that a Massachusetts NARAL gave, and um, I looked around at the crowd, which was a wonderful crowd, but most of the people there were either young or more middle-aged than I was, and I said to myself that I didn't see all that many white-haired folks and that we had something very special and unique to add to the, to the fight uh, for abortion rights, and that is that we lived through it. And uh, some of us in the posse have had uh, abortions. Some of them were legal abortions. Some of them were illegal abortions. Uh, some of us uh, were, did abortion counseling over the years in various ways. But we lived through the bad old days before Roe v. Wade and, uh, and know what the, um, the danger is to uh, go back to that. And in, unfortunately, in uh, many parts of the country, they are already back in the bad old days where women couldn't get uh, safe and legal abortions. And um, so I felt that it was, um, something incumbent upon us and we really had the the expertise and the experience to contribute that to the movement so that's how it started and we've been talking to groups whenever we could find some medical students and college groups and whoever wants to hear about what it was like and what's at risk what are people surprised by the most when you talk to them well the one funny thing is that I once mentioned um, that uh, when I uh, got pregnant, uh, the, the test to find out about the pregnancy was called a rabbit test. And um, the young man who was in the room, who was the aide to one of the senators, I just freaked out. He couldn't believe it. And then I told him what the rabbit test was. You know what the rabbit test is? No, I was going to ask you, what are you talking about? What's a rabbit, rabbit test? test in order, well, back in the 60s and early 70s, in order to find out if you were pregnant, you had to go to an OBGYN and give them a urine sample. They injected the urine into a rabbit 
the test took two weeks. And if the rabbit died, you were pregnant. And I'm not making this up. This I know you're not. True. No, you're not. And, no, no. Um, and that's, that was the pregnancy test. If, if anybody said to you the rabbit died, that was not good news. The availability of whatever the brand names are, the home pregnancy tests, is completely oh, revolutionary. Very, very, very recent, yeah. And for people to be able to just find out in the privacy of their home if they're pregnant or not, it's a miracle, really. Yes, yes. That surprises people and, and they sort of enjoy that little story. We've been out with signs that have a circle with a picture of a hanger in it and a line through it for some mm -hmm. of our protests and field trips and stand-ins. And we've also had some young people walk up and they were very sincere. They were not sarcastic and asked, are you protesting hangers? We don't understand. What they didn't understand what yes. that meant. And then to explain to people that no, actually, literally hangers were used as a means for people to try to self-induce abortion. And toxic douches, throwing yourself down the stairs. Uh, women have always no matter what the legal ramifications or the religious ramifications, if they needed and wanted not to carry a pregnancy to term, they tried all kinds of things. One of the striking things that I've learned in the last couple of years is that back in, in that day, in the late 60s and early 70s, so many emergency room physicians and OBGYNs would see women coming into emergency rooms with massive uh, trauma or sepsis, it just was a, a steady stream. And so they were very supportive of changing the laws so that women could have safe and legal abortions. The current crop of younger doctors and medical students, they don't see that. They don't really know that that's a, a result of not having safe and legal abortions and they uh, seem to be less supportive of it. I mean, not everyone, of course, but um, so that, that was a, sort of a dramatic thing for me to think about, that people who actually saw what was going on before women could get safe and legal abortions, you know, were very supportive. Would you say that now people take these for granted? Well, I think um, a, lot, a lot of the younger, uh, women do, their, their access to birth control is pretty well established, although the Supreme Court damaged that. But, and, you know, when you have, I mean, that was another thing that went on in the late 60s, early 70s, is that uh, unmarried women couldn't get birth control. So um, you just really had very, very few options uh, as a sexually active woman. Well, and people don't know about birth control either, that it was limited and why the reliance for women who were becoming sexually active in the 60s and 70s was so reliant on condoms because men carrying a condom had sort of a cool factor to it. And they're not 100% safe, right? So they're women- 100% safe and many, many men refused to use them. You know, women who were dating somebody and were sexually active, you know, we, we had very few options. It was yeah, very hard to find a doctor who would prescribe 
uh, birth, the birth control pill after even after the birth control was available. Carol, I'd like to know about the path you personally and the other women in the bad old days posse have taken to join up with the uh, Massachusetts Row Act. But before that, uh, could you tell me about how you became involved with NARAL years ago? In 69, I went to, as part of my healing from my abortion experience, because of course I was taught to be very ashamed of it, I went to a conference that was sponsored by the Unitarian Universalist Women's Association. Wonderful group of dynamic progressive women. And um, you know, after the conference, uh, a group of us stayed after and said, you know, okay, this was, this was a wonderful conference, now what are we going to do? So we organized the Massachusetts Organization to Repeal Abortion Laws, because of course at that point you weren't trying to keep the established law, you were trying to get rid of the established law. We testified at hearings and we lobbied at the State House and you know, I look back on that because I think most of us did not know any know what we were doing. And then uh, NARAL became a more national organization. And um, at about the time that I sort of got less active, things morphed over into NARAL. But I was mainly um, involved with moral. And, and then more recently when NARAL uh, was uh, celebrating its 45th anniversary, they found me and called me to talk about the bad old days and, and um, the development of moral and what we did there. And then, and then I passed the idea about the uh, bad old days posse on to Rebecca and, um, and there we are. There you are. Yes. What a, what a wonderful history you've lived through and created for all of us to understand the urgency of passing the Massachusetts Row Act bill right. in two and a half days. Yes. Well, I think we are, we are fortunate that we live in Massachusetts where um, abortion is reasonably protected. Uh, it's not perfect yet. And that's the Row Act is trying to fine tune some of those places where the law is weak. But, you know, I, I really think about the, the women in uh, places down south or even in my home state of Ohio, bless its little heart, where um, they just keep passing the most bizarre laws that are clearly intended to uh, go up to the Supreme Court to have them overturned. Well, it's, uh, it's horrifying. Right. They are knowingly passing unconstitutional laws. Most of them are being uh, held by by federal courts, district courts, yes. but they're passing them to line them up. We understand from Maura Healy that there's 16 already queued up that will try to take away Roe. That's their goal. And this court is not sympathetic. And, um, you know, I don't know how much we can count on the Chief Justice. Probably not much. Not much. A challenge here has been we understand that often Massachusetts legislators prefer to kind of ride up a horse to rescue us after something terrible happens at the Supreme Court. So for example, if in the most recent case in June Medical Services, maybe if they came out with a worse decision, maybe then the Massachusetts legislature would have stood up and said, oh, we need something to pass. Let's take the Roe Act and show that we really care. But without that kind of external crisis, 
it seems in this 18 month process that there has been not a lot of energy from legislators to take action on a bill that makes a lot of sense. Do you have perspective having watched other pieces of legislation move forward? I wish I had more. I mean, clearly the church is not the obstacle that it was back in the 60s and 70s. But I think that the legislature, you know, still moves cautiously on anything that has to do with sex. More recently, with the, the last six months, it should have all been done before that, but uh, for the last six months, I think we can almost not fault them for being um, totally absorbed with trying to deal with other things like the pandemic and the, and the Black Lives Matter things and uh, racial justice. I, I have to say I'm a little bit pessimistic about whether or not, you know, they will get their act together in what, 48, or more hours and actually do this. I think the only hope maybe is that they decide that they really need some more time and vote to extend their session, which I think they can do. I don't quite know what the, the details of that are, but then there may be a chance, but for it to happen this week, ooh, I'm not sure. That's honest and we are curious what people really think because yes, I think at least for me, you're right, COVID has been unprecedented and awful. And yet, on the other hand, we're not really clear why this legislation didn't move forward back last summer. There was a giant hearing with lots of input. And I'm curious because a lot of your education is achieved through storytelling. And part mm -hmm. of what happened at the hearing was many people told their stories. And they're very difficult to tell. And for women who've experienced um, an abortion because they were making a choice and they had all the resources they needed and they had, you know, a safe place to go. For many of them, the decision is not actually traumatizing. They're okay. And breaking down the myth that every abortion is a trauma is important. So people understand there are women who are okay. But for women who had a very difficult or sad experience, it's hard to tell those stories. And when you tell them in public to the legislator as part of the record, and then nothing happens, yes. it's a unique form of, uh, something. I don't have the right word. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering for your storytelling, how, how are your reactions to whether people respond, take action or don't? I think all of us have felt very gratified by what we're doing. And it was interesting just before I came on this, we had a Zoom meeting with three interns that are young women who are interning at NARAL this summer. And one of the members asked them, you know, do they think that what we're doing is worthwhile? And they all said that, you know, they were energized, not specifically by our stories, but over the past, you know, part of what got them into um, the work that they're doing for reproductive justice and is the stories that they heard about the past. And, and so I think it is important. I mean, you know, Santayana said it, you know, if you forget your past, you're going to relive it. And, um, and that, that's all too soon right now. You're right. There's only two and a half days. Maybe they'll extend the session. Maybe they will come through like champions and just pass this quickly. If it has to come back, what would you do in the next legislative cycle? What would your advice be to actually move it over the finish line? Well, I guess we have to pay attention to who's running for positions in the House and Senate and make sure that we are voting for people who are going to advance our, our agenda 
and and protect women's rights. I think that that's first, and that's you know then we got we have a few more months to do that. Uh, I guess we just have to keep doing what we're doing. I mean, it will happen because it has to. Now that you said that, um, and with previous things that you said that these. Uh, bill didn't go through because of COVID, because Black Lives Matter. There's always going to be something. Something is going to be more important. We, I think that we are set aside. Our needs, our, our body, whatever we as women need is always set aside. Yes. So, uh, should we, besides having more women in government, how can we make men understand? Because as you said, men, pre the doctors before, they did understand because of what they saw. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that now in Mexico, abortion is legal. It took a long, very, very long time but now it's legal. They want to take it back because of the government we have now. But, I mean, is there a way, is there something we can do to educate them? Like, we had a chat with one of the representatives and he said that he, he was going to vote be, uh, the way he was going to vote because of what her, his wife told him. So I also think that one of the enemies of all these things are women. Like you said, they, uh, they berate you, they make you have uh, feel ashamed. And it's not only it's not only the church, it's uh, the same people, the society. I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm just going because this conversation brought a lot of things. Issues about abortion and reproductive rights are very much a part of women's issues. I mean, they are central to women's issues and, and women's ability to, to be effective in the world in ways that they choose to be. I mean, this is my personal rule. I don't know if you want to use this or not, but this is my personal rule. If, I, if there is an election and there is a decent man and a decent woman running and we have not managed to get 30%, that's my bench, the, 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 that's what I've told is the tipping point, or one third of the body, then I vote for the woman, period. I don't care how good the man is, I vote for the woman. We've got to vote women in and of course i recognize that not every woman i would not have voted for sarah palin but um you get the point yes and i agree with that uh the the laws have primarily been written by men mm -hmm. we have found how ignorant so many of them are about women's bodies although they um uh they uh adore them and covet them but they don't want any responsibility about how those women are able to have agency and take care of their lives and uh, go on to lead meaningful 
lives in which they can support themselves. I, for me, abortion, among many things, has always been an economic issue. Absolutely. And do we uh, look at, you know, empowering women in other kinds of positions so they understand that they have power? That's a question, but I, I really agree with you in terms of the women candidates. We have podcasts for of powerful women who are running against incumbent Republicans who are way past their shelf life and do not support Roe. Mm -hmm. I have one other thought. This is, I say this almost a little bit facetiously, but um, if insurance won't pay for women's birth control, it should not pay for their Viagra. Absolutely. That's outrageous. If you're going to regulate, you got to regulate evenly if you don't want anyone having sex anymore. Carol, Carol, you said it to me the other day when I was speaking with you. It takes two. <laughs> That's right. It does indeed. We haven't figured out how to do that without them. <laughs> I've always said that if we were hermaphrodites, we wouldn't need them. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I don't know. I love my husband, but if I didn't need him, I wouldn't need him. Right? Yeah, the dependency is, is tough. So from hermaphrodites to handmaids, we would love your take on handmaids because that is an area that we've spent some time on. How do you see the imagery in terms of advocacy as someone who's not a handmaid, um, but who's been a longtime activist? Curious how it strikes you. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, every time I see a picture of you folks with your red outfits and, you know, the, the one or two people who don't know what you're trying to represent uh, will ask about it because they are so dramatic. And, and then, then there's plenty to say. Um, uh, I, I may have said this before, but I, um, I said to a group of high school students once, I said that the Handmaid's Tale should be the Bible for your generation. And it takes place in Cambridge. It's, it's a past we don't want. It's a future we don't want. We do want is the future that you have painted. Thank you so much for being out there educating people, especially medical students and high school students who otherwise really are not going to understand our recent history, our collective history. One more thing, if anybody, at the point in which we actually can get out and speak, if anybody wants to have the Battle Days Posse come and speak to a group, uh, call NARAL. Get in touch with you through NARAL then. That's right. the best. Yeah. Thank I you very that. much. Great questions. <laughs> Thank you. Great answers. Thank you. We, we look forward to speaking with you again. Okay. And it was a pleasure to meet you. Ditto. Yes, absolutely.